about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Welcome, everybody. Of course, if, if you see me, you know it's Cage My IQ. Today, I am running down my UFC 224 picks and predictions on the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Of course, if you wanted to follow me, this is your first time tuning in to the show. You can follow and subscribe to us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, Twitch. They are at Cage IQ at Cage My IQ, and of course on Twitch at Bloodline ENT. And of course, if you're just tuning in and you want to know what the Bloodline Entertainment Network is, it is a group of podcasters forming a big network. We cover everywhere from wrestling, we cover MMA, we cover true crime now, we cover cinema, we cover fantasy football and fantasy baseball, and we got more to come on this network we go seven days a week with two to three shows a night it's the perfect place to get your knowledge and to get your recaps and previews for all the sports and entertainment in the world today all you got to do is go to www.youtube.com slash at the bloodline ent and please if you're tuning in for the first time Please smash the like button down below and hit us up in the comment section right to the right. Let me know what you think of my thoughts and opinions of UFC Fight Night 224. I want to get your betting odds opinions as well. I put out Cage's Bet Slip every Thursday afternoon, so definitely check that out tomorrow in the afternoon. We're on a high streak with that. We're hitting those underdog bets very good. So definitely tune in. Let me know in the comment section what you're going to be running with from a picks and prediction standpoint for this low-level card. We know we just had that high UFC 290 output. This is kind of like a letdown of a card. But then we shoot back up next week with UFC London and then UFC 291 two weeks from now. So I'm going to try and find you guys some points to hit on this card, even though there won't be too much. But we're definitely going to hit it from a good standpoint with some of the fights that they have on. Because they're definitely trying to set us up this week for some good uh, cash-ins from a betting standpoint. But before we do that, of course, we got the Cage My IQ merch. Go to Fighters First, that shop, to check it out. We got the new Sword and Shear logo on the shirt. It comes in white. It comes in green. It comes in gray. Check it out on FightersFirst.shop. Mike Ginn does all the magic with the with the shirts there, from wrestling to MMA to combat sports. We got it all over there. And then, of course, we now have merch at Bloodline Entertainment Network's website. All you got to do is go to bloodline.threadless.com. Check out the shirts that we have. We got the Lion Alpha logo on it. It comes in white. It comes in black. We got towels. You name it. We got it on that website. So definitely go to the Bloodline Entertainment Network's website. Go to merch and buy one of the new shirts that we have for the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Let's get started with the action. We got 12 fights here on the card. As we're speaking, they had just added a 13th one with Jack Dell and Madalena. Didn't get time to put that in here, but he's definitely going to win. He's going up against a guy making his debut. I got Jack Dell, Madalena, win that one by first round KO. He could be in the bet slip, but I, I put him off just for the sheer fact that I didn't have time to add it since he literally just got added to the card an hour ago. But let's get started with the action that we do have. We got a women's bantamweight matchup between Ashley Evans-Smith versus Eileen Perez. This is a matchup for two fighters coming off of losses. You got Ashley Evans-Smith, 
who is coming off a two-fight losing streak. She's lost four of her last five. She's actually also on a two-and-a-half-year layoff due to a 14-month USADA suspension, plus she was injured as well. She's one of those fighters that comes in there, looks to pinpoint strike you. She has good movement. She has good cardio, but she's all about the one-twos, and then keeps on moving, one-twos, and keeps on moving. She's she's trying to get in there and beat you new by points and by volume, whereas Eileen Press goes in there. She has very powerful, wide striking. She pushes the pace. She has good cardio. She has good uh, grappling. When she can't connect with some of her striking, she looks to take the fight down to the mat with her double leg takedowns or the body lock, lock hip toss. And then she does the work on the mat with her elbows and the knees, and she likes to mix the game, her game up. Whereas uh, Evan Smith is more uh, just solo with her striking. Uh, she's She doesn't have any multitasking to her at all. It's just hit and move, hit and move. Whereas Perez, like I said, she hits and moves, but then she goes for takedowns at different times to kind of change up the game plan a little bit to attack her opponent. So that's why I'm going with Eileen Perez by decision in this one. I think she gets it done. I think the grappling's the ace in the hole for this matchup for her. Uh, looking at the lines uh, down below, you got Evan Smith is plus 125. Eileen Perez is minus 150. I'll definitely be using Eileen Perez in one of my uh, parlays. I like that minus 150 line. With women's MMA, it's hard to distinguish who's going to win. But I feel like with that two-and-a-half-year uh, layoff, it's a, it's a good chance to go with Eileen Perez with this one and then to get her into the win column after that one loss that she has. So I'm going with... Eileen Perez by decision, and I'm putting her in one of my parlays for Cage's bet slip. So Eileen Perez wins this one by decision. Let's move on to the next fight on the prelims. We've got a men's lightweight matchup between Carl Deaton III versus Alex Munoz. we got another return to the octagon in uh, Alex Munoz. He's been away for a couple of years. The last time we saw Carl the third, he took a loss in his uh, debut in the UFC. He he fought Joe Selecki, who had a lot of success with him with the grappling. This guy is a really good striker. He has good overhand strikes. He has a good jab. He has good movement. He has power in his hands, but his, his kryptonite is the takedowns. He doesn't defend the takedowns that well. Joe Selecki was able to take him down and then submit him. I thought it was a very good uh, bounce back for Joe Selecki in that matchup. A lot of people were going with Cardeaton in that matchup, but then Joe Selecki pulled it out and showcased how high level of a grappler he is. On the other side, you get Alex Munoz. He's coming in on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to uh, Nazrat Hackpress by decision, and then Luis Pena by split decision. Uh, in the UFC and LFA, it's been two years since he's fought, uh, but he's primarily a grappler looking to come in there, throw strikes, and then use the striking to set up his grappling. And that's a perfect way to come into this matchup to be able to come in there, push the pace, get a card in the third, flustered, moving backwards with the forward motion, and then to set up those double leg takedowns along the cage so where he can take him down controlling on the mat and throw those elbows and ground and pound on him and then control him in the position since Cardeaton the third doesn't have that great of a, a get-ups from the, the takedown position. And I just see Alex Munoz capitalize on that and getting the decision victory by takedowns and control time with this one with work being done in transitions over time to keep the position and to keep the refs from uh, – moving them up. So I have Munoz dominating this matchup with this grappling. It's a huge uh, weakness for Cardin the third, and I got him winning by decision. I could see if Cardin the third could catch him early with the striking. I could see an early round one knockout for Cardin the third, but just with the big deficiency in his uh, takedown defense, 
Uh, I have to go with Alex Munoz by decision in this one. You look at the stats down below. Cardi in the third is a plus 120 underdog. Alex Munoz is the minus 150 uh, favorite. I could go the day of the fights. I could go with Alex Munoz uh, with the money line there and just play that. I could add him to one of my parlays. But for right now, knowing that these are two low-level guys, one coming off of a two-year layoff and one coming off a loss with a big deficiency, I'm staying away from this fight this week, knowing how this card is going to go. But I could change my mind depending on how uh, the weigh-ins go and how the fight, uh, how any fights go this week. If there's any cancellations, it could push this up to a parlay piece for me. But for right now, Alex Munoz by decision in this one. Let's move on to the next fight on the card. We got a men's flyweight matchup between veteran Tyson Nam versus newcomer Azat Maxim. We got Tyson Nam, who's a very good pace uh, striker. He's very patient. He throws singular shots uh, until he has to. He likes to move back. He likes to counter his opponent's momentum. He does have knockout power. In one of his last fights, he was able to counter Ode Osborne and put him to sleep. But he's very low volume. Uh, mostly what he does is with his striking. He should be more... Uh, Offensive with it, but for some reason he likes to just counter, wait, strike, wait, strike, wait. It's the same pattern, and I'm pushing backwards instead of moving forward and using that forward momentum and striking power to attack his opponents. But he just likes to sit back, wait, and throw if his opponents make a mistake. And he's going up against a newcomer in Azat Maxim, who is very. Uh, has very good power in his hands. He's kind of the same guy where he sits and waits. As his one detriment is his patience. He has knockout power, but he will push forward because he has very good uh, samba wrestling. And then he will look to use the uh, double leg takedown or the hip toss along the cage to get the fight to the mat and to dominate with his uh, grappling uh, elbows, knees. You got the transitions to look for the submissions. It just has more of a developed game uh, over Tyson Nam, and that's why he's the minus 420 favorite in this one. I, I could see a scenario where if Nam can catch him early, because as I has been uh, prone to singular shots at times, if he catches him early, he can get the upset here. But I see a, a three round decision domination by Azat Maxim. I see him throwing the quicker strikes. He's always the first guy to, to land or to connect in shots in his matchups. And when he doesn't land and he overshoots with his uh, looping shots, he uses that to grapple with his opponents. He's the stronger guy. He's going to use that to throw his opponents to the mat or drive him to the cage to where he can get that double leg takedown uh, to the mat to get his grappling going. Whereas Tyson Nam is all about the striking. So I see Azmat uh, dominating with the strikes, getting the, to, to the Tyson Nam before Tyson Nam gets to him first. And then I see him using the grappling to kind of neutralize in the, uh, Tyson Nam's power and taking this fight to a decision victory. I think Tyson Nam's going to be able to uh, withstand any of those big shots. And I think the majority of the fight's going to be taking place on the ground and along the cage. So I'm going as that maximum by decision. Looking down below, Nam's plus 320. Azak Maxim is minus 420. I'm putting Azak Maxim into a three-person parlay because I feel like he's going to dominate the fight. I'm going to knock down that 420 price to close to even uh, and then parlay with two other pieces. That way I can capitalize on him this week on fight night 224. So once again, we're going with Azat Maxim by decision, and then we're placing him in the three fighter parlay on Cage's bet. So, so keep an eye out later on tomorrow for my Cage's bet slip for UFC fight night 224. Moving on to the next fight 
on the prelims if they're tuning in for the first time and you want to know a little bit about Cage My IQ. I do Cage's uh, bet slip for betting, and then I do my predictions for the full fight cards, every UFC uh, card that there is every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So definitely tune in for the first time. Please smash the like button down below and hit us up in the comment section to the left with your thoughts and opinions of my picks and predictions for UFC Fight Night 224. And please subscribe to both Cage My IQ and the Bloodline Entertainment Network on YouTube, depending on which uh, video you're checking out right now. But now we got a lightweight battle <coughs> in the UFC on the prelims between Gennaro Valdez versus Evan Elder. This is an interesting matchup here between two guys looking to make a comeback. They're both coming off of two uh, fight losing streaks. You've got Valdez, who lost to Natan Levy by decision, and Matt Vavola by KO, TKO in his debut. Then you got Evan Elder coming in, losing to Nazim Zadikov by KO, and Preston Parsons by decision. These are two guys that can stand up and strike with the adverse. you got Valdez, who has a lot of power early. He throws a lot in the beginning, but he can keep keep on going. He has a decent cardio, but after round one, which he throws a lot with it, you, he starts to slow down a little bit, but it's not that slow down to where he just starts throwing less volume. He keeps it going. He keeps pushing. He keeps pushing, but you can definitely tell the difference in tenacity after that first round if he doesn't finish his opponents early on. But he has power in his hands. He has a good jab. He has a good cross. He has good looping knockout power. And then on the other hand, you got Evan Elder, who has good, accurate uh, technical striking. He has decent power in his hands, but he throws that good uh, volume and good pieces. He tends to move around well. He has good speed. He has good movement. The technical side of things kicks in, and he does well in fights. You look at the last two fights. He was winning that fight against Sadikov before he got caught with the knee. And in, in his debut, which he took on short notice, he had decent uh, success with the striking when it was on the mat, when it was on standing up. And he got taken down five, six times by Preston Parsons, and he controlled him on the mat. The takedown defense was kind of a weakness for him, which he won't have to worry about in this fight because both these guys are going to be standing very often and for the majority of the fight. But I'm going to go with the technical guy in this matchup. I'm going to go with Evan Elder, and I'm going to go with him by third-round KO here. I think the technical striking is going to overpower the first-round KO power of Valdez. I think he withstands Valdez in his uh, early onslaught. And then with his cardio and the fact that he can keep going, and he can keep pushing the same pace early and late. It's going to benefit Evan Elder, who's going to take over after round one. He's going to win by volume because he's all about technical and not power. He's going to throw more volume and then lower the power a little bit just so he can throw a lot more for longer periods of time. I think the movement's going to play a good factor in this one as well. He's not going to have to worry about the takedown defense at all with Valdez, unless Valdez starts to slow down a little bit and he tries to control uh, Evan Elder along the fence. But I think that Evan Elder is going to push the pace in rounds two and three, land more strikes, move around, look to grapple up, throw to his knees into the, uh, to the stomach and elbows to the face. He's going to control the uh, the octagon. He's going to cut off the, the lingings for Valdez. And at once Valdez slows down by round three, I see Evan Elder knocking him out with a nice cross. So in this one, I'm going with Evan Elder by, first, uh, by third round KO. Looking down at the stats below, you got Valdez, who's the plus 230 underdog. You got Evan Elder, who's the minus 295 favorite. I'm going to stay away from the betting on this one because I don't like the minus 295 money line line. I'm going to stay away from them with the with the parlays, but I could come back to it if the line could kind of move 
at least down to 220-230. If it moves down to that, then I might play Evan Elder in a parlay. But at two, minus 295 right now, I'm going to stay away from him because I still think that even though I uh, favor him in this matchup and I think he's going to win, that there's always that chance that Valdez could get that first round KO or he could hit him early and then kind of get to Evan Elder and then dominate him from there on out. So I'm staying away from this one, but I do think Evan Elder wins by third round KO. Moving on to the next fight on the card. We got a men's featherweight matchup between Austin Lingo versus Mel Cazale Costa. I can't say that name as good. You got Austin Lingo, who's a boxer. He has a very good combinations with his hands. He's quick, has good movement, has quick hand speed. He's always throwing two to three strikes every time he throws. He's, he's looking to move and throw, move and throw. But he's susceptible to his, uh, striking defense. Uh, he gets hit a lot at times. And he's susceptible to the takedowns. Whereas you got Costa, who has power in his hands. He can throw early. He can throw late with power. He has the looping shots. He has a cross as well. And he has the grappling background where he can use the uh, body lock leg trip in space where he can go and shoot for the double leg takedown with success. Get the fight to the mat where he's very good with his knees and elbows to the body and the head. In this one, I'm going to go with Costa uh, to win this one by second round KO. I see Austin Lingo having more success with the with the volume striking with his boxing background, but I think he's going to have trouble with the takedown defense and with the clinch game of Costa. And that's where that power uh, striking is going to be very successful for Costa. It's not going to be in the, in in range or at kickboxing distance where he just uh, closes the distance and then throws. It's going to be where he, he goes for the takedowns along the fence, gets them, and throws on the mat or along the cage. That's where his success is going to be. I think he lands good shots with, with the elbows. He lands good knee uh, out of nowhere. And then I think he uh, gets him on the mat and he finishes him with ground and pound in round two. I think that Costa has the chances to do that. If he has trouble taking the fight to the mat, then I think Lingo has a chance to uh, steal this one with the underdog line. Uh, with with just pure volume and get this to decision, but I think with the just with the past of Austin Lingo and being susceptible, susceptible to being hit very easily, that Costa is going to catch him a few times, get the fight to the mat, and finish him uh, by uh, Doctor Stock uh, by a ref stoppage in this one in round two with knees and elbows and ground and pound on the mat. So I got Costa winning this one by second round KO. You look at the lines down below. Austin Lingo is the plus 160 underdog. And then uh, Costa is the minus 195 uh, favorite here. I'm looking to play Costa uh, money line here at minus 195. I might look to play uh, Costa inside the distance as well depending on what the side prop, uh, prop shows for inside the distance or for KO as well uh, as long as they're in plus or even I like the chances of putting him there as well so depending on what those are I'm going to be playing Costa on a cages bet slip uh, when I put it out tomorrow just depends on what the lines are and what I do with either one, I'm either going to play inside the distance or I'm going to play with by KO, TKO, or DQ. Don't pair with that uh, money line mark of minus 195. But once again, we're going with Costa by KO round two. And let's move on to the next fight on the prelims. We got another women's uh, matchup here. We got a women's strawweight battle. Between Estella Nunez versus Victoria Dudakova. You got Nunez coming in here with the Muay Thai stance. She has a Muay Thai background. You know what you're going to get from her. It's that Muay Thai striking from a distance with her hands and legs. She's very accurate. She likes to throw two to three strikes. She has good pace, good cardio. 
and she has good Muay Thai clinch, but she's all about the striking. And whereas uh, Victoria Dudakova, who's coming in here and newly into the UFC, she's new to MMA. She only has five uh, years experience. She's coming in six and zero, and she has a very extensive grappling background or some background. She has good. Uh, body lock to leg trip. She, she's good in the clinch with the single and double leg takedowns. And that's primarily going to be the focus of our game plan is to get the fight to the mat, use the transitions, throw the ground and pound, and look for submissions uh, from, from the back. Whereas Nunez is going to look to stand up, throw shots, and win by points here. And she's looking to shrug off that three-fight losing streak for the last five. The only win was in one against Gina Inian by decision five years ago. So she's looking to get back into that win column, whereas Victoria is riding a six-fight win streak to start out her professional career. I'm going with Victoria Dudakova, though, to win this one by third-round submission or by decision here. I just think that the fact that uh, Nunez has struggled with uh, takedown defense in her in her uh, UFC career, she needs to win by points. She needs to keep a distance uh, to have success here. I do think she's going to have success with the volume at times, but with, with low-level women's uh, MMA here, you kind of have to throw that out the window, and I see that uh, wrestling being a big factor in this uh, in this fight with uh, Victoria gaining that UFC debut victory by just uh, takedown after takedown after takedown uh, and then uh, controlling uh, Nunez on the mat using elbows, using uh, uh, ground and pound and then taking it back when Nunez tries to uh, get out and then submit her with a rear naked choke uh, to get that victory. It's just that Nunez doesn't have that second thing with that Muay Thai to balance herself out. And then if she were able to defend the takedowns very well, uh, this this would be one thing with a new fighter coming in very green. But because she has uh, issues in the past with the takedown defense and getting up and striking from a, uh, from a distance, her fight, her way, and not fighting to her opponent's way, I would have more chances to take her with that plus 230 line. But I'm going with Victoria Judicova to win this one by third round submission. You look at the stats down below. You got Nunez, the plus 230 underdog. You got Judicova, the minus 295 favorite. I'm staying away from this fight at all costs when it comes to betting. But I do think Judicova wins it by a decision or by third round submission. I just think that that minus 295 line is too high to bet on somebody making their debut. This is easily a fight that could go either way if somebody doesn't follow the game plan. And uh, I would only attack this one if I was on the Nunez side, but I think the grappling is going to be too much for her. So I'm on the Dudeko over side, and I'm staying away from the betting. Uh, because of it. So I'm going with Victoria Dudikova by decision in this one. Moving on to the last fight on the prelims, we got a men's featherweight matchup between Tucker Lutz versus Melzik Bagdasian. Uh, we got Tucker Lutz who, who's coming in here. He has pretty good boxing. He has good movement. He has good cardio. He has very good uh, wrestling grappling. He likes to get the fight to the mat when he needs to do some ground and pound, do some transitions, controlling on the mat. Or he could just stand up and throw one, two, or three strikes per clip. He has good power on his hands. He has a good overhand. He has good jab and a good cross. And then on the other side of things, you got Melzik Bagdanovich. Melzik, who is a very... Uh, no kickboxer. He has good leg kicks. He has good uh, jab. He has good overhand power, but he likes to fight from a distance. He, he tends to throw more in round one, and then as the fight goes on, he tends to slow down a little bit. We've seen him in the past that he's made slight mistakes in rounds two and three that co has cost him a couple of matchups, uh, most notably 
Joshua Kulabau, where he was winning that fight by just a, a, a volume, but then he made one mistake slipping, uh, and it cost him by uh, getting uh, tapped out by the rear naked choke. But you got Tekeletz as well, coming off two-fight losing streak. He, he lost to Pat Sabatini, where he just got controlled repeatedly on the mat by the superior grappler, Jiu-Jitsu artist in Sabatini. And then he got sub, uh, submitted by Daniel Pineda. Two guys who have power or striking that just outdid Tekeletz in this one. Milzik's going to be more of a guy, though, that he does throw with power, power, but he likes to throw more with his legs than his hands, and his legs are going to be the one with the power, and then he, he just uses the hands to stymie his opponents to set up other shots. And I can see Tucker Lutz win this one uh, by the second round KO or, or by third round submission. I really like the chances with the underdog here. I think the one big thing in this one is the fact that Lutz has better cardio than Melzik. And once Melzik starts to slow down, that's when you're going to see Tucker Lutz go to the, the grappling. I think round one is going to be these two viewing each other out, throwing, uh, striking at each other. You're going to see Melzik out volume uh, Lutz uh, with more pure shots, accurate in round one. But you're going to see Tucker Lutz land a few power power looping shots at him. You're going to see him trying to get that range going uh, to where Lutz can land the jab. But then once round two gets there, uh, I think Lutz is going to take over and he's going to mix in the grappling where he's going to go for the takedowns and he's going to land in uh, in top guard or he's going to land in the clinch if they're staying up along the cage. And I do see him finishing Melzik in rounds two or three by KO via ground and pound. I just think that the, the multi-use of the striking and the grappling is going to be too much for Melzik. We've seen it in the last fight overdo him, and then because of his uh, cardio, he does very well in round one, and then he starts to slow down uh, against guys that can grapple. If it's a stand-up game, it doesn't affect him too much because he's still going to throw a decent pace, but it's just going to be a little bit less of volume. But against a guy like Tucker Lutz, who's coming in there with, with a strong body, a nice base, a good wrestling background, and good uh, boxing, and I think he's going to struggle later in the fight, and then that's going to be his undoing. I think he gets caught with a shot, gets taken down, and then is finished with ground and pound. But I wouldn't be surprised if... Chakalots can get the submission just like Coolbow did by stymieing him and then taking the back of him when he's uh, shook. So I'm going with Chakalots by round two finish here. Looking at the stats down below, Chakalots is the plus 175. Underdog, Melzik is the minus 210 favorite. I'm definitely hitting the Chakalots uh, money line at plus 75. And I'm definitely looking to hit Chakalots inside the distance as well or i might just look to hit the uh my, my the my, under two and a half rounds line depending on what they all when the prop bets come out uh later today slash tomorrow so i'm definitely going to be doing tuck lots as one of my main bets for cages bet slip so definitely check that out tomorrow but at the end of the day i got tuck lots by second round finish over a melzik bag Dacian. Moving on to the main card of UFC Fight Night 224. Uh, this is the first time you're tuned in to the network or to Cage My IQ. Please smash the like button down below and hit the subscribe button so you never miss any of the content that we put out on the Bloodline Entertainment Network or on Cage My IQ. And please hit me up in the comment section and let me know what you think of my picks and predictions of this Saturday's fight card on ESPN+. Plus. But let's hit the action on the main card right now. We got a lightweight battle between uh, Tance McKinney versus Nazim Sadikov. You got uh, Tance McKinney, who has good, a decent jiu-jitsu, has good power in his striking. He, he tends to win his fights in the first uh, uh, couple minutes of the fight, and then afterwards... He starts to slow down a little bit with his cardio. And then guys with good 
scrap on and good cardio movement tend to take over, as you saw in the last couple of fights that he's had. When you look at it, his past, of course, he lost the bomb and he was able to counter those striking uh, and after the two-minute mark. He beat Eric Gonzalez by submission, and then he lost to Drew Dober on short notice. He had uh, stymied Drew Dober, but then Drew Dober was able to counter that, push the pace forward, land short, uh, shots on Terrence McKinney, who had slowed down at that point, and then boom. Hit him with a good shot. I think it's the KO victory over McKinney. McKinney's going to throw power at you. He's going to use that tall frame to push forward. And he has good jab. He has good overhand shots. And then he has the jiu-jitsu, which he likes to take his opponents down to grind and pound them. He likes to use that when he knows he's going to have trouble with the stand-up game. And on the other side, you got Nazim Sadakov, who's kind of the same way. He has power early. But he can uh, he throw at you. He can submit you. He pushes the pace all three rounds. I see this going two different ways. I see Terrence McKinney either knocking out Sadakov early because Sadakov is very green with his uh, takedown uh, defense. He's very green with his striking defense. Or I see Nazim Sadakov winning this one by decision because I feel like he has the better cardio He's going to throw for more volume. He's going to push forward to get to uh, get McKinney uh, confused and and then push back and tired faster by pushing forward to where McKinney is so used to be the guy pushing forward in his fights. And I'm going to go with Nazim Sadikov by decision in this one. As much as I want to hit the underdog in McKinney with the power that he has, he just has trouble in fights like this where he is moving backwards. And if he doesn't finish the fight in the first couple of minutes, you see the difference because he puts a lot into those early throws. He throws everything with power. He's leaning towards his opponent. He's going for constant takedowns. He's trying to overwhelm uh, his opponent at all costs. And then it, it has a detriment to him if he doesn't get the finish early. Like he slows down. He has less volume. He starts backing up instead of pushing forward. And you got a guy in Sadakov who's always trying to move forward. He's throwing with the same clip, the same power, but over that three round span. And I see Nazim Sadakov landing a lot of volume in that one. I see him pushing forward, clinching up with McKinney, landing some good knees in the clinch, some good uh, – he might even add like a takedown or two during the fight. I don't see him finishing Terrence McKinney, but I see him doing a lot of work there. I see him attacking the, his back. I see him trying to drag him down once or twice. And I, I just see – Zim Sadikov do a three round uh, like onslaught on uh, Terrence McKinney after McKinney has his two minute onslaught on Sadikov before he starts to slow down. So I'm going with Nazim Sadikov by decision here. Do I see him getting a finish in rounds two or three? Yes, I could see him doing that. But I think at the end of the day, I think he gets the decision victory over anything else. Look at the stats down below. McKinney is plus 125 underdog. Sadakov is the minus 155 favorite. I'm definitely going to be playing Sadakov in one of my parlays. Uh, you got him at minus 155. I could play the money line as well. And I might see what the prop bets are uh, as well for this fight. But for right now, I'm using him with the money line in a parlay, a two-piece parlay to get that to the plus money with whoever else I want to place it with. And then I might revisit this after weigh-ins on Friday. So for right now, got Sadakov win this one by decision, and I'm going to be placing him in a parlay with one other fighter uh, who I have to pick tonight or tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that on Cage's Benson. Let's move on to the next fight on the card. We got a men's lightweight matchup between Ottman and Zaytar versus Francisco Prado. 
I'm going to keep the short and sweet. Uh, I got Francisco Prado win this one by first round knockout. I think these two guys have uh, a decent uh, skills in the UFC. Prado has power on his hand. He, he looked good in his uh, debut, even though he lost to Jamie Marlocki. He was showcasing a little bit of power, and he just got caught with more volume in that one. But he has KOs and two of his last uh, three fights. He has a blue choke submission, and then he has the KO by knees, whereas Zaytar, who last fought seven months ago, got KO'd by Matt Rivola, got exposed there, and then he has power as well. I think this is going to be a fight that's going to be just throwing the kitchen sink at each other, and I think after last uh, fight's knockout loss to uh, uh, by decision in his fight to Jimmy Mark. He didn't lose because he got knocked down. I think once you get hit a certain way, it affects you for the uh, moving forward. And I think these guys are going to just stand up and bang. And I think Prado's going to take Azatar shots, and Azatar's going to uh, not be able to take the same shots back from Prado and his power. And I see Prado knock him out in round one in the first two minutes. I just think the power is going to be a difference. And then the chin uh, is going to play a big factor in this fight uh, for the minute or two that's going to take place. I don't think uh, I don't see much else happening in this one, other than a stand-up brawl and Prado coming out victorious. Looking at the stats down below, Azatar's coming in the plus one ten underdog. Prado's coming in the minus one thirty-five favorite. I definitely might play Francisco Prado. A money line, and I could be playing him by KO, TKO, or DQ as well. I'm going to look to see what the uh, line is for the side prop for that after tonight, but definitely be ready to see me uh, smashing uh, Prado uh, on the bed slip uh, moving forward. I might even throw him in, in that uh, three-person uh, parlay to knock down Azat Maxim's uh, thing down just to use it for purposes of that instead of going with the solo style. Just to really knock down that minus 420 line of Azat uh, on uh, in that trio parlay just to juicy juicify that three-fighter parlay there and, and use that to my advantage. So I'm definitely going to look at my placements of uh, my parlays and look at who I'm going to do singular and who I'm going to do uh, the double and then the triple fighter parlays, but I'm definitely going to use Prado in one of them, so keep an eye out for that, and I do think he gets the first round quick KO uh, with, over Oz, Otman Azatar, uh, so I'm going with Francisco Prado by KO round one. Let's move on to the featured bout on this card. we got a women's featherweight matchup between Norma Dumont versus Chelsea Chandler. Uh, this is going to be one of those Crazy fights at featherweight where they only have six fighters in the division. They need to replenish it. But you got Norma Dumont who's coming in here. She has a very high volume. She's a good striker from a distance. She likes to mix uh, the jab, the cross, and the leg kicks together. Uh, and she has good grappling and a very high-level jiu-jitsu that she utilizes uh, along the cage with the body lock leg trip at times, but she's tried to showcase her striking a lot the last few fights with the volume, the constant forward pressure, and the only weakness that she's shown is at times that she's been hit with the, with their striking defense, but it's gotten a lot better over the last two fights, especially last fight where she was able to come back and get the victory in that matchup. But then you got the opposite side. you got Chelsea Chandler who is from that DS style fighting. She's very gritty, pushing forward. She has good uh, uh, grappling. She has good power in her striking. She's always going to push forward. She's always going to challenge her opponents. It's that Stockton, California mentality. In the last fight, she, she stymied Storyanko by KO, ground and pound. She beat Courtney King by decision, Olivia Parker by submission. She got KO and decision to finish that out. Whereas Norma Dumont, like I said, she decisioned Carrosa, she decisioned Danielle Wolf, 
She lost the BC Chiefs uh, by split decision uh, because of the grappling side of things. And then she beat uh, Aspen Land and Felicia Spencer by decision. So uh, this fight is screening decision for me. And with the, the, the skill sets here of the striking, both like the push forward and both like the grapple. But you got from the jiu-jitsu side. But I think Dumont is just a little bit more well-rounded in the grappling things. And I think that plays a factor. I think Chelsea Chandler has more power in her striking. But Norbert Dumont, I think, lands more volume. And that's how she ekes out a decision victory over Chelsea Chandler. It's going to be a lot of back and forth grappling, uh, changing uh, sides. It could take place a lot along the fence where they're changing positions along the back of the fence, uh, pushing the pace, throwing, and, and then moving around with their, with their speed, laying the one-twos, one-twos, threes at each other, mixing the leg kicks. Uh, and then it's always uh, wrestling over jiu-jitsu, but these two are uh, primarily jiu-jitsu. So I could see this one go, going uh, back to where – they just don't even grab right on. It's just about volume. And then that's where I see Dumont having the edge. Because so I think she throws full more volume. As long as she avoids those huge uh, power shots of Chandler, I think she can win just by points in this one. But if she gets hit, that's where Chelsea Chandler can come in and steal this one. And that's why, looking at the stats below, it's very even of a matchup. You got Norma Dumont minus 150. Chelsea Chandler plus 125. It's very even, and it's just a matter of who can instill their game plan in this one. Can Norma DeMont land the volume and just move around and avoid those big shots, or can Chelsea Chandler land one or two of those power shots and get to the grapple one and stymie her there and to kind of lower the volume down and then the higher her volume and higher the damage mark that she can land on our opponents. I lean towards Norma DeMont, though, by decision, aka points. I think she lands more volume. I think she avoids those shots. I think she has the better cardio. And at minus 150, I might throw a little bit on her and the money line, but that's about it. I'm staying away from the puck props. I'm staying away from putting her in any parlays, and I'm going strictly money line with that one. With this fight, so I'm going with Norma DeMont winning this one by decision over Chelsea Chandler. Let's move on to the co-main event of the evening. We got a middleweight battle between Albert Duraev versus Jung Young Park. This is going to be a very fun, packed uh, co-main event. You got Albert Duraev, who has good uh, striking with his looping shots, is a decent jab, he throws with power. But a lot of what he does is intended to set up his his grapple and wrestling background. You know, he wants to get the fight to the mat, control his opponents there, and look for submissions and uh, ground and pound activity when his opponents make mistakes. Then you got Jung Young Park, who throws for power. He is a striker and more of the boxing style. He throws singular to double uh, strikes the majority of the time. He's very patient, but when he lands, he lands with power. He's looking to knock his opponents out. He's pretty decent in the clinch, but it's primarily all about the distance striking, mixing in leg kicks, and then trying to knock his opponents out and trying to lower the volume count in fights. Uh, as you see in the past for both guys, it's it's a mixed batch of resorts with uh, Jung Young Park in the last three he submitted Denise Toulon by stunning him and then t taking the, the back of him. Same thing with Joseph Holmes. He stunned him, got the right naked choke. He beat Eric Anders by split decision. He lost to Gregory Rodriguez by KO by just take, uh, dominating the first round and then uh, taking a bad shot late in the second. And then he beat Tappan and Chakwi by majority decision. Then they got Dryab, who beat uh, Chitty Chikani uh, uh, by split decision with the grab one. Uh, I can see this uh, that fight similar to the Jung Young Park fight. He lost by KO to Jacqueline uh, Buckley. 
He beat Roman Kabilov by decision. He submitted by neck crank uh, Kyle Bittencourt. And then he beat Peter Struess by decision there. I think the grappling is going to play a huge factor in his fight. I think Jernion Park had issues with that in the Eric Andres fight. Even though he outvolumed Eric Andres, he had issues in the clinch along the fence with Eric Andres. And then he got taken down once or twice in that fight. I see Abadraev attacking him with those uh, single or double leg takedowns. I see him uh, going along the cage, trying to take him down, drive him to the mat, and try and take the fight uh, to where Jungum Park is prone and where he can't throw those knockout shots or those shots uh, like uh, movement standing up. I think the mat's going to be where Drive is going to have the most success for in this fight. He's going to throw those uh, ground and pound. He's going to transition the side guard, transition to the back if he can. He's going to drag Jung Young Park into deep waters with that extensive grappling background. And I can see him winning this one by second round rear naked choke or by a third round uh, submission here. I think he gets it done by submission due to the grappling. And as long as he can avoid the early uh, first round striking up Park. But I think he gets it done by the grappling side of things. He does have power on his hands and he showcases that he can win with his striking. But I think this is a fight where he's going to primarily focus on getting Park to the mat and then controlling him there. Or controlling him along the fence and landing those elbows to the face and those very damaging knees to the, uh, the side that he likes to throw. So I'm going elbow dry up by second round submission via rare naked choke. You look at the stats down below. You got elbow dry up the plus 130 underdog. You got Jung Young Park, the minus 160 uh, favorite. I'm going to be hitting elbow dry up. With this, with the plus one thirty muddy line mark, and I'm going to be hitting him with the inside the distance mark as well. It's going to be very juicy, so that's going to be my big time play for this week. Is Durav muddy line and Durav inside the distance once that prop gets uh, uh, put out uh, later uh, tonight. So yeah, definitely get that on your bet slips uh, ready. I'm attacking that one as my primarily primary bet of the of the weekend. Abadrav inside the distance and money line. Let's move on to the main event of the evening. We got a women's bantamweight matchup between Holly Holm going up against Myra Bernasilva. I'm going with Holly Holm in this one. I, she has that kickboxing background. She has that boxing background as well. She's constantly pushing the pace. She has great cardio. She has high, uh, high volume striking. She's constantly uh, mixing up her leg kicks and her uh, hands. She has a good jab as she utilizes. She has good cross. She has good uh, combinations, good forward movement. Uh, she has very good cardio. And then we got Myra Brennan Silva, who's going to be mixing up uh, the striking in the grappling. She has good striking, good overhand shots. She has good cross. But she has very good uh, wrestling and grappling, getting the fight to the mat, submit her opponents, or just mixing the, uh, uh, the fight between the strike and the grappling to slow down her opponent's striking and get, get this into a dirty fight deal and, and just mix things up. And in her five-round fight, I think she's going to have trouble, though, with the placement of Holly Holm and following her around and trying to close the distance. Because if there's one thing Holly Holm does well, it's keeping her distance and keeping the volume very high. And that's something that Myra Brandon Silva has uh, trouble with in the past with fights is uh, keeping the volume at an even keel play. You look, the, uh, look at her one loss, Manon Ferro. Uh, Manon Ferro high volume countered her. By decision, even though Myra Brennan Silva was attacking back, she just couldn't match the volume mark. She was able to control Yan and Wu. She was able to control Stephanie Edgar because of the uh, submission that she had. And then when Lena Landsberg, Lands, Landsberg doesn't throw a lot of volume, and she was able to knee bar her in that fight. And then you got Holly Holm, 
lost to Man in the United, of course. But then she eyeballed Pennington and Irene Aldana, really good strikers who know how to limit striking against them. But then Holly Holm was able to get through that. Ketlin Vieira was one of those strange decision fights where everyone knew that Holly Holm won the fight, but Ketlin Vieira was able to just make it, made it look like she did better than Holly Holm. And then it got Giannis Santos, who was a couple of months ago, it was just coming back to the UFC and was pieced up in that fight by Holly Holm. And Giannis Santos does a good job of grappling up with their opponents, and Holly Holm was able to deal with that. So it's kind of going to be like that Giannis Santos fight. And I see Holly Holm just keeping the distance, throwing those leg kicks at times to the calf, throwing the quick hand combinations, slowing down Myra Brenna Silva, keeping her from grappling up with her, uh, winning uh, each round by, by pure points volume and pulling out an easy decision victory over Myra Bernice Silva. I think she gets it done. I don't think the age has anything to do with this fight because she's already uh, past that 40-year uh, uh, mark. She's at 41. Uh, she has 10 years on Myra Bernice Silva. I just think the, the experience gap is too high with the striking. She's going to land too much to overcome any grappling issues that she has with Brenna Silva. And I could see her sweeping uh, all five rounds, or I could see uh, maybe Myra Brenna Silva stealing round four and five with the grappling. Once you see Holmes slow down just a little bit, I think she capitalizes on that. But I think Holly Holmes dominates this fight with points and volume and win this one by decision. Looking at the, the lines down below, Holly Holmes is minus 165. Myra Brennan Silva is the plus 135. I'm definitely going to be playing Holly Holm in that trio parlay uh, with uh, Aza uh, Maxim in that one. I'm going to play her with them too. And I could be, and then I'm going to be adding Prado with that one. So that's going to be my three fighter parlay uh, for this week. So definitely look out for that one uh, tomorrow. I think she dominates. I think I'm going to stick with that with just her. Uh, doing that, I might do a singular one with her money line, and then by decision, I don't see her finishing Silva, but I could see her winning by decision. So it depends on what that line is. But I'm definitely going with Holly Holm in the main event by decision, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I might toy with the different lines when they come out late in the night. But for right now, I got her in that three fighter parlay uh, for tomorrow. Uh, unless something changes with any fight cancellations or with the weigh-ins on Friday. But with this main event, we got Holly Holm winning it easily by decision over Myra Brenna Silva. That will wrap things up with tonight's uh, cages, uh, cage, my QQ's uh, UFC 224 picks and predictions show uh, on the, the Bloodline Entertainment Network. I will be back next week with a special guest uh, to do UFC London Part 2. They had one last year, and this is their return to UFC London in uh, in the summer. Uh, Headlined by the return of Tom Aspinall uh, going up against Sergey Spivak. It's going to be a great card at the O2 in London. I'm looking forward to it. So once again, we'll be back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern for that uh, UFC breakdown from a picks and prediction standpoint for UFC London. But once again, if you haven't done so already, please smash the like button down below. Hit us up in the comment section with your thoughts and opinions of UFC Fight Night 224. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. And then, of course, be ready for Cage's Bet Slip tomorrow afternoon. We're on a high right now, so you don't want to miss any of the bets that I put out so you can be part of cashing in on these big-time cards each and every week. But as always, I'm your host, Cage, from Cage My IQ, and I will see you guys every Wednesday for another edition of Cage My IQ.
Have a good one. The one's up in the air. Talk to you guys next week.